Hello and welcome to a rock and roll rabbit hole where I will be digging through my vinyl record collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells and taking a light-hearted, laid-back and positive fanboys look at my favourite songs and bits of songs that fall within a different set theme every episode. Choosing from any song part that gives me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It won't be a countdown, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of chilled, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to buy a record, listen to an old favourite album, support a musician and check out some of this amazing art that has formed the soundtrack of my life. As a lot of people like to share their opinions these days, please do let me know if you think that I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at I don't ever check this email at gofuckyourself.cock and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Now, seriously, if you do have any suggestions, you can hit me up at suggestions at arockandrollrabbithole.com. I'd love to hear from you and check out some new music, some old music, some great YouTube interviews, anything rockin' and entertaining. I love it all. And if I like it, I'll play it and give you a shout-out on a future episode. Also, if you dig what I'm doing, feel free to tell a friend or two. You can also visit the website, www.arockandrollrabbithole.com for Spotify playlists of each episode, past episodes, and some other golden magic. Thanks heaps. Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in and having a listen. Before we get into episode nine, which is part two, I recommend checking out episode eight, which is obviously part one of the great name-changing artists. If you don't listen to episode eight, you'll miss out on a magnificent list of lying assholes. Speaking of magnificent and assholes, I have a bunch of people I want to thank this week. I had a lot of positive vibes coming through the messages this week, so I want to quickly thank everyone and double thank everyone who reviewed the podcast on Apple Podcast app. It really does help, guys. So yeah, if you've got a couple of spare seconds, please rate and review the podcast. It seriously helps. Thanks. I want to thank Patty Cummings, Kayla Ashley. Thanks, Skins. You should be in this week's episode, but we'll hear from you next week. The Furry Fuhrer, James Tudball. Simon, the Ivanhoe Cackler, Fissenden. Rob Cochran. I don't know where you are, Rob, but thanks so much for the Apple review. Philip Argy for some nice words and suggestions and for spreading your rabbit hole from Melbourne to Mount Gambia to Outback Queensland and to London. Thanks, brother. Sean O from Dead City Ruins for being a champ and swapping genitals for oranges. Nathan Hunt. Rarely Rally, repeatedly Raylene and regularly Ray Lee Williams for sharing the podcast in her Instagram story and just for some general good humanness. Scott. Doesn't live on the moon. Hughes in Minnesota. Thanks, brother. Dave. Should be in this episode with his surname Brick. Matt the Wombat Murderer O'Donnell. Lockie Argy for being a champ and spreading the podcast like a Melbourne security guard spreading coronavirus at a quarantine hotel. Thanks, Lock. Steve Schenk over in America for the guitar porn photos and for sending through Alethea, which is a really good listen. It was a rocking band with a ballsy female champ fronting sort of in an Iron Maiden vibe. It was really good. Check them out on Bandcamp, Olathea. Michelle Fancy Pants Clancy for sending through a band called Graveyard, which was rocking as well. Thanks, Michelle. And Kevin Gebo over in Westfield, Massachusetts. 
Kev has a bar, food, vinyl bar setup, which looks awesome online. If you're anywhere in that area, hit up KG for some food. Thanks for the nice words, Kev. You owe me a curried carrot coconut bisque, whatever the fuck that is, if I ever make it back to the US. Thanks, KG. So let's get into it. Episode 9, Name Changes, Part 2. Speaking of assholes, another band from the 80s which had all four members with name swaps are Poison. Brett Michaels was born Brett Michael Shire. CC DeVille was born Bruce Anthony Johansson. Bobby Dell was born Robert Harry Kai Kendall. And Ricky Rocket was born Richard Allen Wren. Here's a handful of English stars who are all name swappers. Morrissey was born Stephen Patrick Morrissey. Boy George was born George O'Dell. Nick Rhodes from Duran Duran was born Nicholas Bates. And his band member, John Taylor, was born Nigel John Taylor. Billy Idol was born William Broad. And George Michael was born, here we go, Georgius Paniotto. Thanks for changing that, George. Respect. We covered Guns N' Roses in part one, and their first live EP which was called Live Like a Suicide, featured an Aussie song by Aussie band Rose Tattoo. That song was Nice Boys. In researching, I found out that, in fact, the Guns N' Roses EP was not live, but it was studio recorded with overdubbed crowd noise. Duff said in his autobiography, It's So Easy and Other Lies, that the crowd noise is from a 70s rock festival called Texas Jam. We thought it would be funny to put a huge stadium crowd in the background at the time when we were lucky to be playing for a few hundred people. Rose Tattoo's singer, Angry Anderson, was born Gary Anderson. Here's Rose Tattoo with Nice Boys. Here's a little bit of Guns N' Roses with their version of Nice Boys. Elvis Costello was born Declan Patrick McManus. Here's his first TV interview and a brief performance of Watching the Detectives. I mean, you see, you, you, you've been pushed into something which could be come very, very big. I, it doesn't bother me. I just take it as it comes. I don't think about how big it's going to be. I don't have any aspirations in, in that sense. Uh, it doesn't really bother me, you know, that the people are building it up in one way or another. If I see that it's getting too out of hand or they're not being realistic, then uh, I can say things that are certain things that clearly. But I tend not to uh, think about what might happen. I'm only thinking about what is actually happening and what I'm actually doing, you know. When I interviewed Elvis Costello in 1977, he was a relatively obscure singer-songwriter with three failed singles behind him, making his first ever appearance on television. 
Not quite punk or pop or country or blues, he was already an original, and today with stacks of singles and LPs to his name and millions of records sold, he has a formidable reputation, partly because he is so hard to categorise. I caught up with Elvis at the recording studios in West London where his first successful single, Watching the Detectives, was mixed and which he played on that original programme 12 years ago. Last girl's that one with a defect Cellophane shrink wrap so correct Red dots under illegal legs She looks so good that he gets down in she is watching the detectives Ooh, he's so cute She is watching the detectives When they shoot, 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 shoot Beating up until the teardrops start But he can't be wounded cause he's got no heart Okay, now we're up to category three Makes sense this guy is one of my favourites and was born Charles Holly, but he's known as Buddy. My Buddy. Buddy Holly, with what I think is almost an early punk song, Oh Boy. All of my love, all of my kissing, you don't know what you've been missing, oh boy. Oh boy, when you're with me, oh boy. Oh boy, the whole world can see that you were meant for me. All of my life, I've been waiting, tonight there'll be no no boy, oh boy, when you're with me, oh boy, oh boy, the whole world can see that you were meant for me. Stars appear and the shadows are falling, you can hear my heart calling, a little bit of love in the everything right, I'm gonna see my baby tonight, oh my love. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. Three young singers who soared to the heights of show business on the current rock and roll craze were killed today in the crash of a light plane in an Iowa snow flurry. The singers were identified as Richie Valen, 17, Buddy Holly, 22, and J.P. Richardson, known professionally as the Big Bopper. The aircraft chartered from the Dwyer Flying Service crashed near Mason City, ironically the setting for the prominent musical The Music Man. The pilot, Roger Peterson of Clear Lake, Iowa, was also killed. The three singers had appeared at the surf ballroom in Clear Lake, Iowa last night and were on their way to Fargo, North Dakota. Their small chartered plane crashed in a lonely farmyard about 15 miles northwest of Mason City. Cause of the crash was due to inclement weather conditions. Details upcoming from Action Central News. This is Casey Kasem on AT40 in Hollywood, and now we're up to the current hit by the country superstar who was almost a passenger on the plane that crashed and killed three of the biggest rock and roll stars of the 50s. He was a member of the Crickets back then, Buddy Holly's famous backup band. And they were all part of a big rock and roll show that was touring the Midwest in early 1959. They just finished a concert in Clear Lake, Iowa. And Buddy had chartered a small three-passenger plane to fly him and two other members of the tour to their next stop in Fargo, North Dakota. The rest of the company planned to follow them in a chartered bus. It was just after midnight and the three passengers were in their seats on the small plane, waiting for a storm to clear up so they could take off. Suddenly, J.P. Richardson, the big bopper, stuck his head in the door to ask if there was an extra seat for him. He said he had the flu and couldn't take the long bus ride to Fargo. Well, all three of the seats were taken. But one of the passengers said, Hey, JP, you can have my seat. So he got out 
and the Big Bopper got in. Well, the tragic end of that plane flight is well known. And the man whose kindness on that day saved his life is country superstar Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings was the only musician booked on the flight to use his own name. Just saying. Here's Ray Robinson's opinion about Elvis. Apologies about some of the YouTube audio from these old clips, but I am trying. You can send me an email if you know how to fix it. Two, why am I wasting my time emailing this idiot at a rock and roll rabbit hole dot com dot poop? And I'll get back to you as soon as I've done my tax. That's obvious. But did you feel at the time in the 50s, early 60s, a resentment of some of the white performers who were copying R&B stuff and selling more records than you and your contemporaries were? I just didn't object to it. I just felt that the music just, it wasn't that good to care about. <laughs> now, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? But I'm being honest with you. Maybe some exceptions, though. I mean, Elvis was a talented guy. Well, uh, okay. Not necessarily. You'd know better than I. Yeah. Let, well, me, let me ask it differently. How good was Elvis? What Elvis did, he caused a lot of the populace, if you want it, and usually when people say populace, they usually mean white people. Uh, to start listening to a lot of music that normally they wouldn't have been listening to. I guess I'm going to lose uh, at least about a third of my fans right now. But to say that Elvis was was uh, so great and so outstanding, uh, like they say, he's the king. Uh, I got I got in trouble because one guy asked me this question and I said the king of what, and he got mad at me. You see, I don't think of Elvis like that because I know too many artists that are far far greater than Elvis. I think Elvis was person came along at the right time where well, here was a white kid that could do rock and roll or rhythm and blues or whatever name you want to call it and the girls could swoon over him Nat Cole got in trouble in Alabama when the women swooned over him got put out of town and black people been going out shaking their behind for, for, for centuries and what the hell is unusual about that shaking the hips and stuff and that's all Elvis was doing was copying that and he was doing our kind of music he was doing the Willie Mae Thornton, Jailhouse Rock. That's black music. So what the hell am I supposed to get so excited about, man? But I think all this stuff about saying he's the king and he's the... I, I, it's a piece of bunk. Sorry. Next question. Don't ask me no more about Elvis because you got me enough trouble as it is. I, I think you covered it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a follow-up is necessary. <laughs> okay. All right. Ray Robinson is obviously the great Ray Charles. This piece of magic needs no introduction either. Georgia, Georgia, the whole day through, just an old sweet song. Georgia on my mind. Georgia on my mind. I said, Georgia. Georgia. A song of you. A song of you. 
I'm going to give this next guy a pass as he only recently sadly left us and he's only dropped a single letter, T, from his last name. Slap on your wrist and on your way, son. Rick Okasek from The Cars. Keith Richards also went by Keith Richard in the 60s. Al Green was born with an extra E on the end of Green, which I think he dropped and gave to Marvin Gaye, who added it to G-A-Y to make it G-A-Y-E. All is forgiven now for you four guys. And while we're talking about the cars, their late great bass player singer Benjamin Orr was born Benjamin Orzakowski. Guitarist Elliot Easton was born Elliot Steinberg. Keyboard player Greg Hawkes and drummer David Robinson stuck fat with their birth names. Drummer David Robinson came up with the cars band name and he's credited with designing their cool album covers. See, the truth will bring its own rewards. Here's the great Rick Akasek talking about the tiny bit greater Benjamin Orr and how he didn't understand that people got their vocals mixed up. I must admit that I was guilty of that for years. He had the wonderful voice that I mentioned, you know, that was beyond... He was a great... Actually, he could play more than just bass. He could play any instrument. He played drums for a while. He had a band in Cleveland when he was 16 years old called the Grasshoppers, and they had a hit... At around the same time, I think Eric Carmen was also in Boston at that time. But they had a couple of big hits in the, you know, when he was a kid. So he was kind of like a little pop star before he was, when he was young. And uh, when I met him, he wasn't even in a band. He was actually a booking agent, booking bands in colleges. And he came to see our band. That's how I met him in 1967. He was going to, one of the bookers in the colleges. And he mentioned that he could sing. And I said, well, come on over to the house tonight and sing. And he came over and with an acoustic guitar he, he played yesterday and a couple of Beatles songs. And I thought, are you serious? This is amazing. And uh, seriously, on the next day, he was in the band. <laughs> so but I don't even remember the question, but I sort of got What's, into a little you know, history. But what was the, It was obvious that the, the question was about Ben and his contribution. Oh, so his and contribution, you know... W- we kind of started, I mean, we kind of, we were always the two of us. If it had, you know, if we started a band, we would get other people, but Ben was in all the bands, so his contribution was just uh, phenomenal. I mean, his voice and... Pretty good bass player, too. Phenomenal bass player. Yeah. You, know. you mentioned before that early on people didn't realize that there was two singers in the band, which is really funny because your your styles are quite different. Yeah, they are. And but I agree with you on that. Yeah, um, I don't. I I agree with you that the styles are entirely different. So I don't know why people didn't realize. I think uh, <laughs> you know. I think if there is any one song that we think of with Ben, it's got to be Drive. Yeah, that is. The song. Yeah, he definitely nailed that one. He nailed that one. And, yeah. Um, and he nailed it probably in one take or two. Cause is that that's, right? That's uh, all he ever did. He just had this natural, great voice, you know. Who's gonna tell you when? It's too late. Who's gonna tell you things? So great. You can't go on thinking 
B.B. King was born Riley B. King, and the great Buddy Guy is born George Guy. Here's B.B. and Buddy chatting about the first time they saw Hendrix. What was that place called on uh, 48th and 8th Street? Was it the scene? The scene in the basement, because you came there once when I was playing there. It was in the basement there, the Chamber Brothers, yeah. you, mm-hmm. and... Uh, <coughs> And I didn't know who he was, and I was about must have been about twenty four then, twenty five. How come you keep mentioning ages? Because I'm trying to trying to keep this Alzheimer's. I think you're trying to throw bricks at me. No, no, no. <laughs> but in, anyway, uh, Dick Waterman was uh, had contacted me then, and and I had to get top behind my head, you know, and I'm like uh, trying to get some attention mostly. You did. And uh, somebody had a tape recorder, and they was like. That's Jimi Hendrix. And I had had a couple of shots, you know, and I'm trying to get me you one of these hippie gals. You know, that's exactly what I said. I said, get out of my damn way. Who in the hell is Jimi Hendrix? And he started waving and plugging up his wah-wah pedal. He said, me, he said I just canceled a gig. I want to get a chance to play with you. I'm Hendrix. I said, who in the hell is that? And somebody said, that's Hendrix. Man. Be cool, dude. Be cool, Hendrix, yeah. So uh, I finally stopped playing, and he plugged it up and went to went to work on it. And I said, "Well, maybe I should know you then." And from that day on, we we came because we had some conversations together after that. And that, that was like about maybe two and a half years before he passed away. Well, I first met him at Tom Couch's place in Mobile. In Mobile, yeah, yeah. And well, guess what he was doing? He was in the rhythm section for Little Richard. Yeah, that's yeah. how I first met him. Uh huh. Uh huh. And they didn't care too much about blues because Little Richard was so electrifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boy, when he got through, yeah. everybody getting ready to leave. Yeah. <laughs> but we had intermission, like kind of like you were saying, you know, for us on the road, it was what you played third and you're off. Right. Um, right. Uh, the union thing, mm-hmm. but Jimmy was quiet when I met him. When when I saw him, he didn't drink. He didn't drink or smoke or anything. And I wasn't drinking that much then. So we go in the dressing room, and we just sit in there. You know, it was like two stools in there. So finally he says, uh, B.B., I've been listening to you for a while. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, really? Mm-hmm. And then he told me his name. But I noticed he was left-handed. He didn't play like we do. Yeah. Yeah. He's left-handed, played mm-hmm. this. No. Yeah, this way. Mm-hmm. And so I was asking him, why didn't he change the strings? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And he said, well, this is just the way I learned. And that's how I met Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And he was a very nice, I thought he was, yes, very he was, nice he was, he was. person. Very nice. And he had no more from him until after he had gone to England. And that's when I started hearing Jimmy Hendrix, Jimmy. Yeah. And so it was, and yeah, I know him. Yeah. You know, but I never did get a chance to speak to him again. Here's a quick blues and 50s list of shameful namefuls. 
all great, but all lying to us. Albert King, born Albert Nelson. Etta James, James Etta Hawkins. Bo Diddley, born Alice Bates. Little Richard, born Richard Wayne Pennyman. Muddy Waters with the coolest name, McKinley Morganfield. Howlin' Wolf was born Chester Arthur Burnett. Dale Shannon was born Charles Westover. This next lady had an obvious marital name change from Perfect to McVie, which is great as she is perfect. Here's Christine McVie singing Say That You Love Me with Fleetwood Mac. The bass line in the chorus of this song is probably one of the best bass lines ever in my brain. Check it out. Jackson Brown, or as his mum knows him, Clyde Brown, with The Wonderful These Days, a song he wrote when he was just 16, but not released by him until his second album, For Every Man, in 1973 when he was 25. This album also had Take It Easy on it, a song that he wrote with Eagle, Glenn Fry. All of the Eagles use their own name. Other guests on this album include the great birth named David Crosby, Jim Keltner, Don Henley, Toto's David Page, Bonnie Raitt, and some other name shamers, Elton John, who we've already covered, and Joni Mitchell, born Roberta Joan Anderson. Here's Clyde Brown's version of the song he wrote with Glenn Frey, Take It Easy. Buzz Osborne from the Malvins was born Roger Osborne. The Pixies' main man has a few names. Frank Black, Black Francis, but he was born Charles Thompson. Michael Anthony Sobolewski 
I'm calling you out for dropping the Sobolewski from your name and going with Michael Anthony. And your punishment is me playing a great song from your band that you don't even play bass on. So there's no chance of you doing a bass solo either. Could this be magic? Van Halen. summer night, but you don't got to hurry, take your time, what you need is on the menu, and you get it tonight, but you got women's on your mind, could this be magic, or could this be love, could this turn tragic, you know that magic often does. I see lonely ships upon the water. Better save the women and children first. Sail away with someone's daughter. Better save the women and children first. I hear music on the landing and there's laughter in the air. Just could be your boat. The next amazing artist changed his name from David Jones to David Bowie, mainly due to the monkeys having a Davy Jones in them too. I thought this song was appropriate for the topic, Changes by David Bowie. Still don't know what I was waiting for And my time was running wild A million dead-end streets And every time I thought I got it made It seemed the taste was not so sweet So I turned myself to face me I've never caught a glimpse How the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-changes Turn and face the strain Ch-ch-changes Don't want to be a richer man Ch-ch-ch-ch-changes it's gonna have to be a different man Time may change me But I can't trace time Speaking of changes, here's a few other name changes Ozzy Osbourne, born John Osbourne Dusty Hill from ZZ Top, born Joseph Michael Hill Jack White was born John Anthony Gillis Jack Black was born Thomas Jacob Black Enough, enough Now we come to the last category. Holy shit, I had no idea. I have read a bunch of biographies from most of these big artists, so I would have read out some of these names, but they haven't stuck in my brain for some reason. So first up, we have Edward Severson Jr. This guy's parents divorced in 1965 when he was an infant. His mother soon remarried to a man named Peter Mueller. And this guy was raised believing that Mueller was his biological father. Here's that story in a famous verse.
we're obviously talking about Pearl Jam's Eddie Vedder. I also thought that Pearl Jam's Stone Gossard would be an alias, but no, that's his real name. Respect. Have a listen to Eddie Vedder tell a funny story about how Paul McCartney punched him in the face once. I was fortunate enough to be with Paul McCartney in a corner of a Seattle hotel bar and talking story. He kind of was illustrating how he he hit this guy, and when he did that, he shot out his left arm as if he was hitting this guy. And I was standing there, and I got hit. (laughs) He hit me. He didn't quite pull back the punch, you see. So the story kept on, and it was a great, incredible personal story. I caught the end of it, but as I was listening, I was thinking, Paul McCartney just hit me in the face, and... And, and it hurt. <laughs> I think I remember tasting a bit of blood. He, he got me right on the side of the... And he, he, he apologized quickly so it wouldn't get in the way of the story. And again, fascinating story. Of a, a great time in my life, actually, to be hit by Paul McCartney. And I remember it, it hurt for a few days. And I remember... I remember when it went away, when the, when the pain finally subsided and the, the swelling went down, I... I kind of missed it. <laughs> One guy that I would have forgiven for changing his name, but he didn't, is English actor Mark Lindsay Chapman. The similarity between his name and that of John Lennon's murderer, Mark David Chapman, prevented him in 1985 from playing John Lennon in a movie called John and Yoko, A Love Story, as Yoko had been deeply involved in the production, had herself been initially impressed with his audition and approved of his casting in the role prior to discovering that his full name was Mark Lindsay Chapman. She then nixed his casting on the grounds that it was bad karma. Mark Lindsay Chapman did end up playing John Lennon in a 2007 film called Chapter 27, starring an unrecognisable overweight Jared Leto who had gained 67 pounds, 30 kilos, by drinking microwave pints of ice cream mixed with soy sauce and olive oil every night. Here's Jared Leto talking about his role as Mark David Chapman. You don't get asked to walk down a path like this too often and it's brutal and uh, disturbing as it was. uh, I felt it was really important for me to do. You know, the director had a very specific uh, and passionate uh, vision for the film and you know, we what what we did was try to be as respectful and have as much dignity as possible walking through the process because it's a tricky thing when there are survivors of uh, such a horrifying event like this. You know, but for us, we we really felt that it was a worthwhile experience and something that that needed to be examined. It's an experiment. In no way does it. Sympathize or sympathize or glorify Mark in any way. It wasn't sensationalistic, you know. No one's out to make a quick buck. It's not that kind of movie. Well, it was important to me to examine everything that I could before December 1980. That's the the, the person and that I needed to to find. You know, I, I immediately went to uh, his hometown and started to talk to old friends and family in and, and hopes that I could just try to capture a sense of who this guy was. 
I think the surprising thing to find out was that he was a human being. There was someone who loved and adored the Beatles and then would commit such a horrific act. Here's Paul McCartney talking about the disturbed piece of shit who shot John Lennon, a guy that always used his real name. Uh, I was at home and um, I got a phone call. It was early in the morning, I was in the country uh, and um, I just got a phone call. And it was like, I think it was like that for everyone. It was just so horrific. Uh, you couldn't take it in and I couldn't take it in. And uh, I just, you know, just for days, you just, you just couldn't think that he, he was gone, you know. Um, so yeah, I, it was just a huge shock and then I had to tell Linda and the kids and, you know, and, and, you know, and, um, yeah, it was very difficult. Yeah. I mean, it was very difficult for any, everyone. That was like a, a really big shock, in, I think, in most people's lives. It's a bit like Kennedy. Yeah. There, there were certain moments like that. The thing was, because we, it was a shock for us, but we didn't know it. Yeah, no, for me, it was just so sad. Um, that, you know, we, I wasn't going to see him again and we weren't going to hang up. And, you know, for me, the, the biggest thing was that the guy who took his life, the phrase kept coming in my head, jerk of all jerks. It was just like, this is just a jerk. This is not even a guy politically motivated. It's just some total random thing. I go, hey, pop. Just a damage, a broken like, person. Hey, you know, yeah. Ringo Starr. I still miss John a great deal. I'll always miss him, you know, but it's still brand new. When you heard about how did you hear about it? Uh, Barbara's daughter called us up saying John's been shot. And so that drove me crazy, but you think as a he's been shot, he's shot in the arm, shot in the leg. And then they came back and they said he's uh, he's dead. Do you wanna stop that now? Yeah. Because it's it doesn't help, you know, but it, it always gets me upset. George Harrison. Well, I thought at first maybe he just got wounded, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's hard to accept or to believe at first. But, um, you know, it's no different really to anybody having news about anybody they know. You know, the shock. I'm sure a lot of people were just as shocked as I was about John Lennon. Or about, um, I mean, your prime minister, for that matter. Mm. You know, it's all nasty business when people get shot. John's son, Julian Lennon. How old were you when he passed? Uh, Seventeen. Where were you? I was. I was actually. Um, I was actually in my bed, uh, which which in was in New York. No, no, no. I li I, I never I li never lived in New York in that. You with your mother? Yeah, I was with my mother in North Wales. Um, she was actually with Maureen Starkey, Ringo's ex-wife, in London, who was a dear best friend. And I was actually in North Wales at the time. And literally, I, I heard a, a noise, and it was the, the chimney fell in. And I, you know when you just have that gut feeling that something's wrong, something's really wrong? Yeah. And I went downstairs and all the curtains were closed, and, uh, and I thought, this is just too bizarre. I, but who knew what it was at the time? And then opened the curtain, press outside everywhere. And my stepfather had been told not to tell me until mum, you know, arrived. But I just said, what's going on? You've got to tell me. So speaking of Paul McCartney, 
is actually James Paul McCartney. His dad was also a James, so he went with Paul. It seems the whole family are bold-faced liars. Here's Paul, or James's brother, Mike, explaining his own bullshit lying name story. But at that time in the 60s, uh, my brother was in a band and they were doing rather well. Well, Liverpool they were. And so I was getting a bit sort of hairy. And so the idea of, like, uh, having a surname, which is my proud family heritage, but to be, in those days, to be like, you know, I could have been Mike uh, Sinatra or Mike Presley. Uh, Mike McCartney was getting a bit well known. So we'd, I was going on telly, so I decided to change it. I said, well, what do you change it to? The J.P. Don Levy's book, Ginger Man, we nearly had Mike Dangerfield. Oh, that would have been good. Pretty cool. Yeah, that would have been cool. Very yeah. nice. And the two words going around Liverpool at the time were fab and gear. And so it was nearly Mike McFab. <laughs> I swear, <laughs> honest. And But I mean, McGear sounded more Irish. Here's Paul McCartney with Band on the Run. funny interview where this next name liar tries to recall who he has insulted in the past in a TV quiz. He mentions TV chef Jamie Oliver, whose real name is Jamie Oliver, but stay tuned to a bit later where we expose a real Oliver. Let's see uh, if you can remember who you were talking about here. He looks like <coughs> a fucking balloon <laughs> with a fucking Weetabix crushed on top. <laughs> no. No. Not <laughs> Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney. You said about Wayne Rooney. <laughs> okay. Okay. This was someone who lived near you. He said, "I got told off for throwing stones at his windows, pissed up, asking him to chuck down some bacon rolls." Yeah, that was the chef. What's he called? Uh, the naked chef, dude. Jamie. Jamie. What's his second name? <laughs> Jamie. Oliver. Yeah. Jamie Oliver. Correct. Yeah. 
Because we used to go to the pub across the road in Highgate or in Hampstead, and he bought the house foolishly right across the road from the boozer that we were drinking in. <laughs> and on the way home, we'd be going, yeah, he's got some scran in there. <laughs> come out of his window and he'd be going, Liam, stop fucking about and getting the kids to bed. We're going, just chuck us down a couple of bacon sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, and then he moves, you know what I mean? I, he, I wonder why he moved. No, but the funny thing is, he's moved up to where I live now as well. <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK, here's another one. I've had more fun with a tin of sardines. <laughs> Who are you saying that about? It's got to be Noel, man. It was Noel, this time it was Noel. <laughs> Mr. Nelson. <laughs> uh, here's a good one, I like this one. This is quite a long one. Everyone looks like, you're talking about a band here. Everyone looks like they've got fucking nits and eat lentil soup with their sleeves rolled up. They look like fucking Amish people. You know them ones with the big sideys that don't use electricity, growing their own food and putting barns up. I don't know who it was. Who was it? Mumford and Sons. It was Mumford and Sons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was, of course, Liam Gallagher. Born William John Paul Gallagher. And his Oasis bandmate Bonehead was born Paul Arthurs. Here they are with Some Might Say. Hits keep coming. I mentioned earlier that John Paul Jones had done string arrangements on the REM album Automatic for the People, and John Paul Jones was actually born John Richard Baldwin. There's also a famous United States naval commander in the American Revolutionary War called John Paul Jones too. When I rabbit holed that clown, I found he was born John Paul and added the Jones later. This shit's been going on for centuries. Jimi Hendrix, say it isn't so. Jimi Hendrix was born Johnny Allen Hendrix. I know it ain't far of a stretch, but it was news to me, as was his two band members in the experience. Here, Hendrix cleverly answers a question about his work ethic. Do you consider yourself a disciplined guy? Do you get up every day and work? Oh, well, I try to get up every day. <laughs> That, that in itself is a discipline. 
Here's Johnny Allen Hendricks with John Graham Mitch Mitchell and David Noel Redding with the beautiful and cool as hell Castles Made of Sand. Down the street you can hear a scream, you're a disgrace As she slams the door in his trunken face And now he stands outside And all the neighbours start to gossip and drool He cries, oh girl, you must be mad What happened to the sweet love you and me had? Against the door he leans and starts to sing And his tears fall and burn in garden green And so castles made of sand fall in the sea eventually. Jimi Hendrix was famously managed by Animals bass player Chaz Chandler, born Brian James Chandler. I can see a full conspiracy forming here. Ginger Baker of Cream 2, born Peter Edward Baker. The drummer of the Foo Fighters, his name is Taylor Hawkins, right? Wrong, it's Oliver. Here's Oliver singing one of Farouk's band's songs, written with Davy Jones. This live version has Roger Meadows Taylor on the drums, and is one of the greatest songs ever, despite having five name-changing assholes on stage, including Pat Smear, who we mentioned in episode three, is George Ruffenberg. The rest of the Fooies probably hold this shit together, because they all use their real names. Booyakasha! Here's Oliver Hawkins of the Foo Fighters introducing Queen and David Bowie's Under Pressure. Can I uh, introduce someone? One of the reasons that I am here tonight, besides my mother and father, is um, a guy named Roger Meadows Taylor from Queen. When I was 10 years old, my older sister took me to go see Queen in concert, the first concert I ever saw. And I watched the fucking drummer and I said, I want to fucking be him. I want to do that. And, well, my mentor is here tonight, Mr. fucking Roger Meadows Taylor. And he's going to do a Queen song with us. How about that? Is that all right? Here's one. Vanilla Ice stole from Queen. We're taking it back. I'm just going to interject here as that quote is taken from an earlier name changer, Paul Hewson or Bono from U2, about a song written by another name dropper, James Paul McCartney. These pricks really do stick together. Just to compare, here's Bono's introduction for the Beatles song Helter Skelter. The song Charles Manson stole from the Beatles. We're stealing it back. Here's one Vanilla Ice stole from Queen. We're taking it back. Uh Uh-oh, I can feel me getting sucked down a rabbit hole. Cult leader Charles Manson interpreted the song Helter Skelter to be a message predicting an interracial war in the US. Charles Manson was guilty of a lot of shit in his life, including name-changing, as he was born Charles Maddox. What a fucker. Anyway, back to Under Pressure, if that's okay. Okay. Thanks, Farouk. Pressure, 
We touched on Bob Dylan earlier, and here's a few other famous 60s and 70s name swappers. Okay. T-Rex's Mark Bowen, born Mark Field, Boz Skaggs, born William Skaggs, Alice Cooper, born Vincent Damon Furnier, guitar god Gary Moore was born Robert William Gary Moore, Joan Jett was born Joan Marie Larkin, Cheap Tricks drummer Bunny Carlos was born Brad Carlson, the bands Robbie Robertson and Levon Helm were born Jamie Royal Robertson and Mark Levon Helm respectively. Lemmy from Motorhead was born Ian Fraser Kilmeister. Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones was born William George Perks. Even Benny from ABBA's name is Goran. Let's take a break. <laughs> Back to Bob Dylan. Here's Bob playing a gorgeous song called Crazy Love with George Ivan Van Morrison. We've already covered Bob Dylan earlier, but let's see what John Lennon thinks. Is, uh, Dylan is bullshit. Zimmerman is his name. This name swapper featured in last episode's cowbell ringing pile of glory and was born Barry Carter. Here's Barry White explaining his early life. Barry White strikes again. How are you? How are you doing? Good to see you. Have you always had a voice like that? Uh, since I was 14. Let me take you back to those days. Is it true that your mom bought you a piano? That's very true. Where were you born and brought up? I was born in Galveston, Texas, but I was brought to L.A. after I was four months, four months old. You were not a good kid, were you? I was all right. I, uh... No, 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 no. no play it, play I, I, it straight. I was a little playful. I was a little playful. No, no, don't gloss over it. You got into a lot of trouble at one point, or your friends did. You hung around with a bad crowd. That's true. That's very true. What straightened you out? The bad crowd, I guess. When I turned 17, I looked around me, and everywhere I looked, it was depression. People who were just going around in circles. I just felt that it was a better way of life. I had to make a change or go down. Here's the next culprit, George Waters, or as we know him, Roger Waters, talking about an early band name that Pink Floyd used and was later used by a seminal metal band and a sad story about Roger Barrett, better known as Pink Floyd's Sid Barrett. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Pink Floyd, when you when you first uh, started, you were an art band. You, I might be way off on this, but you were all in art school together, and your buddy was doing an art installation, and they needed music, and they hired you guys to just play sounds to go with this art project. Am I wrong? Um, we there was a, a tutor at the School of Architecture that we were all at called Mike Leonard. Yeah, 
who was mucking around doing experiments with lights. Yeah, it was like a weird box. With yeah. just, like things it, would light it, up. And... It was a strange time because there, a lot of people were experimenting with visuals on the West Coast, shows lights and people like that. Yeah. And um, we sort of stole a lot of that and, <laughs> and uh, got lucky. Yeah, but I mean, it was great. And it was you and uh, Sid Barrett. I'm a huge yeah. fan of Sid Barrett, who uh, uh, that you just kind of got together. And uh, it's just got interesting that you were called the Pink Floyd at first, right? And it was named after two, I'm telling you, right? Am I, I don't know if well, I'm too geeking out, let me know. Uh, no, we, uh, first of all, we were called the Megadeths. And then after that, <laughs> no, we were called we, the were Sigma, you? yes. It goes back further than the Pink Floyd sound. You were, yeah, you were the Megadeths? We were, unfortunately. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Did not know that, I never knew that. No, I know, not many people do, thank goodness. I don't know why I told you. No, can I just quickly, just uh, one more thing about Sid, if you don't mind talking about Sid Barrett, but the, the, the rumor goes is that he just took too, too many drugs and that he just kind of lost it and then at one point he just didn't want to play or couldn't play or couldn't function really and then he kind of eventually just left the band and Dave Gilmore came in and you know there is a um, uh, schizophrenia is, is uh, used to describe a, a, a loose um, kind of amalgamation of symptoms of which many Sid had he you know he heard voices and he had trouble um, keeping a grip on the reality of his situation and on top of that he did take you know too many hallucinogenics uh, I think if you were in the, uh, the position of being an incipient schizophrenic like he was any hallucinogenics were a very bad thing so um, yeah it was it was very sad and, and he sort of drifted away from the reality of, of the rest of our lives and did you Sadly. is the story true that you were recording um, uh, I think it was shine on you crazy diamond and 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 a bald man walked in with a toothbrush in his mouth and no eye, no eyebrows am I making this up um, I, you know it, it's not a funny story I'm not sure but but um, he did not have a toothbrush in his mouth okay good as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make it funny. He did. He had a big bag of candies which he was eating, and 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 the story is true. If you've heard the story, that I had no idea who this person was, and this was my closest childhood friend. He yeah. he'd put on about a hundred pounds in weight. It was completely. Uh, I just didn't recognise him. I think David eventually said to me, "You, you don't get it, do you?" And I went, "Get what?" And I looked at him. Oh my goodness! And I suddenly realised who it was. That's and we were recording the song that I wrote for Sid at the time in the studio. So it was a strange, strange moment. Here's little Georgie Waters and the classic Pink Floyd song sung by David Gilmore. His real name, David Gilmore. Respect. Wish you were here. So, so you think you could tell Tell a green field from a cold steel rail, a smile from a veil. Do you think you can tell?
We talked about Ronald Bond Scott earlier, and I was a bit shocked to find that ACDC drummer Phil Rudd was born Phil Rudzavukas. Sorry, Uncle Phil, that's probably not even close. Born just near me and an absolute legend, I'm going to give Phil a pass for a few reasons. He is the greatest song drummer ever and... Drummer Phil Rudd is being investigated and has actually been charged in allegedly arranging two killings and drug possession. So apparently he wanted to hire a hitman to kill two people. He failed in doing so. Those are the only details we know. Authorities refuse to release any other uh, any other facts about this, but he is a char he is charged with attempting to procure murder and car that carries a maximum prison term of 10 years. Authorities also caught him with methamphetamine and marijuana. We all know murder is the worst of the worst crimes, but Phil probably had a good excuse, who knows? We'll give him a pass. Here's seven snare hits that make me forgive him. ACDC, Let There Be Rock, live in Scotland in 1978. Famous Aussies who were name swappers. The Angels, Doc Neeson, born Bernard Neeson. Shirley Strawn is Graham Ronald Strawn. A quick side rabbit hole here. Shirley Strawn's lead guitar player in the Skyhooks was Red Simons. Yep, that's his real name. Red Simons' family emigrated to Australia in 1958 and were on the same ship as the BGs. Some more Aussies. Ivor Davies from Icehouse gets a pass. He is I-V-A Davies, but he was born Ivor Davies, I-V-O-R. Mental as anything's Greedy Smith was born Andrew Smith, and Martin Plaza was born Martin Murphy. Talking about ACDC earlier, one of their early producers was called Harry Vander, who was in the Easy Beats, along with Angus and Malcolm's older brother, George. Harry Vander was born Johannes Hendrikus Jacob Vandenberg. You are forgiven, Harry. Here's Johans and the Easy Beats with their 1965 classic, Friday on My Mind. Monday morning feels so bad. Everybody seems to nag. Coming Tuesday, I feel better. Even my own man looks good. Wednesday just don't go.
That's the last of the name changes for now, before I get to my favourite in a minute, but I want to include a funny, crazy, interesting, or in this case, sad story in each episode about one of the songs or artists, and today's story is about Lewis Brian Hopkins Jones, or Brian Jones as we know him. Lewis was the founding and original leader of the Rolling Stones. His involvement in the band dwindled. Keith and I took drugs. But Brian took too many drugs of the wrong kind and he wasn't functioning as a musician. I don't think he was that interested in contributing to the Rolling Stones anymore. We didn't even expect him to be there. If he turned up, we'd find something for him to do. Yeah, I'll ask him, you know, you got anything, you know, what do you think about this? You want to put something over this? Uh, but um, no, by then he was already in, uh, you know, bye-bye land. He certainly didn't know if he was going to turn up and what state he was going to be, and then what was he going to be able to do in that state? What could, job could you give him? And then one time when we sat around on the floor, we played in a circle, playing No Expectations, and he picked up the guitar and played a very pretty lines on it, which you can hear on the record. Eight. the last thing I remember him doing that was Brian or the Brian that could contribute something very pretty and sensitive and it made the record sound wonderful. Take me to the station and put me on a plane I've got no expectations To pass through here again My ultimate aim in life was never to be a pop star I enjoy it uh, with reservations But um, I'm not really sort of satisfied either artistically or personally. Let's face it, the future as a rolling stone is very uncertain. I remember Mick and Keith saying, you know, we can't go on like this, we need another guy. And we did need somebody else. Do you remember what happened that day when you went over there? No, I can't remember. But I remember it wasn't very nice. It was a very, very difficult decision to make. This is someone that you've been, who spent the beginning of the band with, and I mean, it was horrible. 
we said to Brian, look, this isn't working out. And, and he sort of said, yes, it isn't. And it was very sad. And it was, I felt awful afterwards. I remember that. I felt really terrible. He was the author of his own misfortunes, really. But I, as, when you look back on it now, you think, well, surely we could have done something. You know, there's there something more than just that. We were working in the studio with Jimmy Miller. And someone came in and said, Brian's just died. Everybody just looked at each other and go, finally. It was almost like it was bound to happen, one way or another. It was a horrible moment. And I don't know how many months later that was from when we went down to see him. He died two weeks later. Fuck. About midnight, Jones went for a swim with his Swedish girlfriend, Anna Volin, and another friend, Mr. Frank Thorogood. After a time, Mr. Thorogood and the girl went back to the house. When they returned, they saw Jones at the bottom of the pool, and they pulled him out. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. It doesn't hit you straight away. I mean, I think my first reaction was, oh, Brian, for all of the things we've been through, it's, uh, you know, you don't have to croak over it, you know, I mean. Was there a reason you didn't tell his funeral? It was going to be too much of a circus. And anyway, I, you know, I, don't, I, I never went to my mother's funeral or my father's. We didn't have one. We're like that, my family, you know. My dad is now an oak tree. Put his ashes, uh, and there's an enormous oak tree growing, and every year he gets a little bigger. And my mum, she said, oh, don't make no fuss over me, boy. Uh, I promise I'll make no fuss, mum. Hyde Park was the funeral. And the bit about burying and the shovels and all of that, it's not that important to me. That was his funeral. The Hyde Park concert was two days after Brian died, in front of almost half a million people in London. The concert had become in his memory, when it obviously hadn't been planned like that, but it had assumed that feeling. So here's my choice for my favourite rock and roll rabbit hole, game-changing name-changer. This guy is a double offender, meaning he has had three names. A great singer and amazing songwriter, born Stephen Dimitri Giorgio, commonly known by his stage name of Cat Stevens, and later Yusuf Islam. Also Yusuf, and also Yusuf slash Cat Stevens. Here's whatever you want to call him with the wonderful father and son. 
It's not time to make a change Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know we'll Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old but I'm happy once like you are now And I know that it's not easy To be calm When you found something going on But take your time Think a lot Why think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not explain when I do he turns away again it's always been the same same old story from the moment I could talk I was ordered to listen now there's a way and I know that I have to go away I know I have to go I have to go too, Kat. This shit's taken way too long. Thanks again for listening and another huge thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. And if you haven't, please take the two seconds to do that. It really does help. Cheers. I still have sticker and guitar pick packs and I'll post out to you. Just rate and review the podcast and hit me up on Instagram, a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast, and I'll post them out no matter where you are in the world. Thanks again to Rob Dean at Yes Sensei Studios for the music stingers, Patty Cummings for web and tech help, And Matt, the Wombat Murderer O'Donnell for proof listening up to episode nine. Thanks, brother. And thanks again to everyone who messaged me and rated the podcast this week. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And as mentioned earlier, if you do think I missed something, pronounced the name wrong, and could have improved on this free podcast that took me over a full week to put together, please email me at IamWastingMyTimeComplaining at CockGoblin.Cock forward slash poop dot geocities forward slash kevs curried carrot coconut dot cock and i'll get back to you as soon as i can check out my website a rock and roll rabbit hole.com for past episodes spotify playlists of all of the songs from each episode and some other golden poop to end the podcast i'm going to add when i can an example of the topic that i enjoy from a lesser known band and this episode features a great melbourne band horsehead Their reunion gig was one of the last shows I saw before the lockdown started nearly a year ago, and I managed to get their whole back catalogue on vinyl at the show, which was so good. They hadn't lost an inch of their nuggetness in the 20 years or so since they'd played, and they were definitely one of my favourite bands growing up. Their great bass player Mick Valance was a huge influence on my bass playing, up there with John Deacon, Nicky Six, Paul McCartney, Duff McKagan, and a whole heap of other nuggets. Visit the Victims tab on the Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole website, and check out half a dozen Horsehead songs. It was a really hard playlist to put together because these guys have got so many great tunes. Horsehead's drummer, Craig Waugh, uses the moniker Max Waugh, and here's one of their songs, Shine, which featured in a surf film from 1996 called Kelly Slater in Colour. Surf legend Kelly Slater's real name is Robert Kelly Slater. I'm so over this shit. I'm out of here. We've been through so much shit. 
deactivated lasers with my dick. Now it's time to blow this fucker down. Horsehead shine. See ya.
Okay. 